Villainous, a Good Omens fanfiction, written by Ineffable Penguin, read aloud by Skyasimaru. If you enjoy this podfic, you can check out the original story on Archive of Our Own. If you would like to hear more of my recordings or see some of my own work, you can find me through the pen and screen name of Skyasimaru. Villainous. Chapter 3. Trouble. So, the council needed some kind of example, did they? Fine. He'd show them. You didn't see them ever risking their necks by going up north, but fine. He'd be damned if he was doing more than the bare minimum this time, though. That was a lesson firmly learned. Crow quickly packed a broad-brimmed, droopy hat to conceal his hair and face, and some apples into a worn leather satchel. There was no sense putting it off, and it was still early enough in the day to get this over with. He left a note for Haster about where he'd gone, so that the council would hear of it then exited the tower and headed east, through the wood, towards the distant, snowy peaks of the mountain range that bordered both lands. There was one main gate in the center of the wall that everyone knew about, used to facilitate occasional trade and travel between the common folks of both lands. Those gates were heavily guarded on the Imperion side, flanked by an entire barracks of Northlander soldiers from all five kingdoms, just waiting for the incredibly predictable eventual attack. The wall was ancient, but the gates were relatively new, because they got blasted down every few decades. Those gates were not an option, not unless he wanted to have to fight his way through, and alert the entire Northlands to his presence, and probably die along the way. Martyrdom was not in his plan. What everyone else didn't know was that to the far east there was another gate. Crow had never mentioned this gate to the council. As far as he could tell, everyone else in the entire world had forgotten it ever existed and it was easy to see why. This far out, there was little else to be found but trees and the occasional old pre-Great War ruin. The gate itself was small, in the middle of nowhere, and surrounded by such overgrown, rocky forest that it was impossible for carriages or wagons to pass. He'd stumbled upon it purely by accident. It wasn't even a proper gate, really. Just a single, thick wooden door with rusty hinges that could be pushed open if you really put your shoulder into it. And the council definitely didn't need to know that he'd already been using this gate regularly, for years, to sneak up north. Not to cause trouble, but for fun. He would put on his glasses and go to dimly lit taverns in the border cities, mingle with the local clientele, enjoying the thrill of being just another face in the crowd. 
comfortably ensconced in his veneer of human camaraderie. The food and entertainment were much better in the Imperion cities. Honestly, everything was better in the Imperion cities, and he especially enjoyed the plays. As long as he kept a low profile and his eyes covered, he was always safe enough. Sorcerers were so unheard of in the Northlands that as long as he didn't act like what they thought a sorcerer should act like, that is, mustache-twirling, uncontrollably burning everything in sight, and cursing the livestock. Well, no one even questioned his dark glasses. Up there, he was just another wealthy man. Eccentric, sure, but for all points and purposes, normal. Or, at the very least, abnormal in a way that didn't get you thrown out of a pub and any risk was far outweighed by the refreshing relief of being completely unrecognized. But today was no pleasure trip, he had to remind himself. Business first. He didn't have a plan yet, but that was fine. All of his best plans began just like this. He was used to winging it, and he had no doubts that something would occur to him once he got up there. There was a nice, rarely used windmill a few miles north of the wall that produced textiles for one of the kingdom palaces. Maybe burning it down would be flashy enough to satisfy the council. He could make up a good story about screaming peasants and civilian casualties. Eh, it was a start, at least. The eastern gate wasn't all that far away, but he was in an impatient mood, so he decided to be profligate and use magic. Sorcerers couldn't fly, turn themselves into a raven or blood-sucking bat, or transport themselves via magic at will, no matter what ordinary people might rumor amongst themselves. But he did have a few tricks up his sleeve. The quickening cantrip allowed him to run as fast as a well-bred horse could gallop at full tilt, each step counting for at least five regular ones. That kind of benefit didn't come free, though. The spell burned magic, and therefore energy, at a truly alarming rate, and sorcerers had a very finite amount. Like most spells, this one could only be used for short bursts, a couple miles at best, unless he wanted to stagger into his destination and pass out cold. In one memorable incident years ago, he had got spectacularly drunk at a distillery some five miles away, then attempted to run home flat out. He'd regained consciousness a full day later, in a completely unknown part of the wood, flat on his face in a stinking bog, somewhere halfway between here and there, eaten alive by mosquitoes and feeling like a thousand angry blacksmiths were hammering on the inside of his skull. Not one of his best mornings. There were other, smaller drawbacks, too. You had to keep your mouth shut to avoid bugs. It wore out shoes exceptionally fast. His hair was always a disaster by the end and his billowing cloak dragged at the air and left him half-strangled. 
He could have removed the cloak, of course, but then he would lose the effect of it, flaring out dramatically behind him like a pair of enormous black wings. He cut quite the striking figure. People always gasped and screamed when he ran by like that. Sometimes it was worth a bit of discomfort to create the right impression. But above all, of course, it was bloody good fun. All the drawbacks in the world would have been a small price to pay for the wild exhilaration of effortless speed, the freedom of feeling like he could leave anything and everything far behind. It was the next best thing to being able to fly, and far better than those uncomfortable, ornery, and highly unreliable transports known as horses. Hard on the buttocks, horses, and carriage rides were tedious. No, far better to simply rely on his own magic, and his own two feet, as always. And it made quick work of trips that were, say, only a couple miles northward. He used it now, dimly noting the forest scenery, whoosh past in his peripheral vision, but keeping his gaze ahead. He had to be careful. The spell only made him fast, not insubstantial, and if he didn't pay attention, he could still run himself straight into a tree or wall and be mashed flat. That would be a truly undignified way to die. After all the time he'd spent trying to stay alive, he wasn't going to give anyone the satisfaction. He kept parallel to the wood for most of the journey, so he wouldn't have to constantly dodge trees, and deliberately kept his maniacal grin tucked away. The one time he had indulged in that, he had immediately swallowed a dragonfly. Maybe after this, he mused as he ran, he would have time to pop up to one of the larger Imperion cities and see if any plays were on for tonight. A nice comedy would be preferable. The gloomy ones too often featured sorcerers as the titular villains, and he just wasn't in the mood. Something cheering was definitely in order to salvage the day. It was only a matter of minutes before he saw the rocky structures approaching. That meant he was close. Soon he'd have to walk. The last bit of terrain was too closely packed with trees and rocks to safely run it. He waited until he zoomed right past the first enormous boulder that marked the beginning of the cluster, then cut the spell loose. He screeched to a stop in a billowing cloud of pale dust, arms outstretched, boots sliding sideways along the loose scree and gravel for a good several yards, before finally coming to a full halt. <laughs> he couldn't help letting out a single whoop of exhilaration. He shook the dust off his clothes. Black was terrible for showing dirt, and smoothed his wind-tossled hair back. A simple mending cantrip removed the scuffs from the toes of his boots. The cleaning cantrip left his spattered glasses like polished obsidian again. Cursory examination showed that he was more or less in order, so he straightened and set off at a determined pace towards the great white marble wall that stood between him and Imperion. 
There it was, up ahead, a flash of white through the trees. Crow frowned as he came closer. Not the stone wall, actually, but a white horse? He stopped dead and stared in dismay. A guard! All the way out here? Nah, surely not. His luck could not be that rotten today. In all the years he'd been coming here, more than a decade, not once had there been so much as a single watchman. He crept slowly, carefully forwards, to get a better look, and warily peeked out from behind a large boulder. It was a huge horse, the biggest damned animal he had ever seen in his life. The beast had to be nearly nineteen hands, and looked sturdy enough to run through a brick wall. Some kind of mixed breed he'd never seen before. It could only be a Northlander. No one round here in Apollyon had a horse like that, a shaggy white monster of a horse whose finely tooled tack sported gold accents. Huh. Wonderful! Just wonderful! Crow dragged a hand down his face and hissed silently in frustration. To die just gets better and better! The knight who rode that thing was going to be a nightmare. He could picture him already, nearly seven feet tall, face like a bard's tail, muscles like a pile of boulders, and an intellect to match, bloodthirsty and slavering for the chance to whack his head off his shoulders, just like every idiot that came barging up to his tower. There was the bastard now, a figure only a few paces away from the horse, leaning against the wall by the door, with sword held lax in his hand. He was faced slightly away from him, but even from here, Crow could see that his blindingly polished silver breastplate and pauldrons were as fine as any he'd ever seen, ornamented with gold filigree and white gems. His brocade doublet, cloth of gold cloak, and pure white silk shirt were made from the highest quality fabrics money could buy. His boots were custom-tooled brown leather. A rich bastard, then. And blonde, of course. Not head-to-toe armor, so not a full knight after all. Another pretty, vacuous hero, then. Some noble or first-born son, or sickeningly wealthy merchant type, with delusions of grandeur galumping through their cavernous head. Perfect. Worse than horseflies, heroes convinced that destiny had marked them for greatness. Was it too much to ask, Crow railed inside his head, for a single thing to go right today? At least it was only one, he consoled himself. Just one. He could handle one hero, did it all the time. Maybe he could scare him off, and then he wouldn't even have to kill him. Yeah, miracles happened. Might as well get this over with. He stepped out from around the boulder 
and strode purposefully towards the wall, drawing himself up to his full height, arranging his face into a severe and sinister cast. There wasn't any wind, but he conjured a bit of breeze to make sure that his cloak whipped and flared out dramatically behind him, trying to look as imposing as he possibly could. A good first impression, or at least a bit of shock and awe, could go a long way towards streamlining these encounters. As he walked, he also summoned a handful of green-tinged flames. He found green the most intimidating, letting them dance threateningly over his fingers. He'd practiced in the mirror and thought it completed the image nicely. At the crunch of his boot on gravel, the slumped figure scrambled upright and whirled around, sword coming up into guard position. You there! Halt! he cried out. Crow slowed to a stop, and his gaze flickered bemusedly over him. The man was not tall or remotely intimidating. He stood a couple inches shorter than him, even with the thick boots. Wide eyes shone resolutely gray-blue, the precise shade of his doublet, under a tumble of feathery white blonde curls, cut a bit too short to be fashionable. And his stubbornly set jaw was rather less chiseled than Crow was used to seeing. No conveniently placed scars, no gritty dents or smudges on that immaculate armor. Heroes usually had cheekbones that could cut glass, but this one's were rounded and slightly rosy to boot. Sherabic was the word that came immediately to mind, and Crow nearly snorted out loud. He looked to be roughly Crow's own age and was staring determinedly, if anxiously, at him from behind that enormous broadsword. There was a long, tense silence as Crow and the armored man sized each other up. The hero spoke first. Now, see here, villain, I don't want to have to kill you, so just turn about and head right back where you came from. His voice was precise and educated, nearly fussy, and while self-assured, was lacking in the usual bravado. Crow blinked, taken aback, and the flames in his hand faltered. You don't want to kill me? Well, no, not particularly. The confidence wavered for an instant, then solidified. Which is not to say that I won't. Rest assured, I will if you cause trouble. Huh. Crow really didn't know what to make of that. He'd been prepared for the usual immediate bluster and screaming, and graphic, gory descriptions of his imminent demise. Most heroes' dearest ambition was to kill a sorcerer. This polite little threat was something entirely new, and left him wrong-footed. Uh, well... The old scar on the back of his left hand had begun to itch, the way it often did when he used magic but he couldn't scratch it without looking stupid. He pulled himself together. <clears throat> you are standing between me and my destination. 
he intoned in his deepest voice, drawing himself up to his full height and staring him down. So it is you who will have to step aside, foolish one, or meet your death. He made a little shooing gesture with one hand. Run along! The hero raised his chin haughtily. He had an upturned nose that only amplified the effect. <laughs> Out of the question! You are not getting through this wall! Crow blew out an exasperated breath through his lips, making a rude noise. It had been worth a try. Fine, pretty lad. We'll see about that. The man was clearly in well over his head. A little fire should frighten him off and send him scurrying away. Crow resignedly summoned more flames and they leapt up into a tall, crackling green column in his hand. The hero's blue eyes went wide as saucers, and he breathed something that sounded faintly like, Good Lord! With a dramatic sweep of his arm, Crow sent it spiraling, slowly, toward him, with plenty of time for him to run, only for the blonde hero to parry the magic with his sword. The green fire vanished, and the blade promptly burst into flames. It was hard to say who was more surprised. They both stared at the burning sword, Crow in annoyance, and the hero in almost comical relief. Then, Ha! Take that, foul fiend! He shouted in a slightly higher-pitched voice. In a calmer tone, he continued, Honestly, don't even think about it. This sword is enchanted to absorb all other magic. Anything you throw at me will just fizzle right out. The flames had already faded, leaving the blade smoking. Crow could have banged his head on one of the nearby boulders. Of course, of course he had an artifact, and a bloody powerful one at that. Why wouldn't he? The universe, it seemed, was intent on kicking him today. Damned magic trinkets. Damned hypocritical Northlanders. Are you sure this is wise? He asked slowly, trying for intimidation. Taking on a master of the dark arts? The hero pressed his lips together and glared. With his hair sticking up like that, it was rather like being glared at by a well-armed, fluffy owl, and about as menacing. Well, I don't see what choice I have in the matter if you refuse to leave. Curse it. He tried again, muttering a spell of unraveling this time, thinking to make his armor unbuckle itself and tangle him up but apparently that sword worked on invisible magics as well. He gave up on Subtle and threw more fire, burst after burst, but the hero easily blocked that too, again and again, with growing confidence. Finally, his temper truly pricked. Crow set his jaw and threw flames high. Then while the man was busy parrying that, he sent a fresh burst at his feet. Maybe a bit of hot foot would make him think twice. The low blow, huh, hit. 
The hero yelped as one of his polished boots caught fire. Crow gloated for all of two seconds before the other man yanked one of the small daggers from his belt and flung it in a panic. Crow ducked, but the dagger flew wide and pinged off the huge boulder a good two feet away from him. <laughs> Half-hearted throw, or just a bad shot? He decided not to take chances. He skirted around the boulder and crouched behind it, panting. Unfortunately, this put him in direct sunlight. Brilliant choice. It was a very hot spring day, right on the cusp of summer, and all the solid black was not doing him any favors. His cloak was currently bunched up under his left ear and pouring itchy sweat down his neck. Ah, shit, he muttered and swiped the moisture off his forehead with one long sleeve. Uh, nothing is ever simple. He was cranky and tired from throwing so much fire and beyond tired of people's meddling. Look, all I need is to get past, he yelled, giving up on intimidating. Oh, I've no doubt. Will, I'm afraid you're just going to have to... Ah, change your wicked plans! Muffled exclamations and stomping as the hero put out his flaming boots. Gah! Crow muttered and scratched furiously at his itching hand. This was not going well, even by his admittedly low standards. In all the leaping about, his dark glasses had slid down to the tip of his sweaty nose. He shoved them impatiently back into place and reevaluated his options. They weren't promising. The main gate was no good. Too many guards. Too much foot traffic. The wall was far too high and smooth to climb. He grit his teeth and hissed softly. Unbelievable! and embarrassing to be so completely thwarted by this, this pampered-looking little dandy of a guard. Thank fortune there was no one around to see this. So who the hell are you, anyway? he called out, mostly just stalling for time while he tried to figure out what to do. I am Prince Azra, fiend. Oh, balls. Crow groaned aloud. He hardly ever encountered princes. Princes were even worse than knights and heroes, taught from birth that they were the most important thing in the entire world, plus rich enough to keep believing it indefinitely. That at least explained the prancy armor and enchanted sword. Am I supposed to know who that is? Are you the crown prince of somewhere? Well, no, third in line, the prince replied stiffly. I am brother to King Gabriel of the High Fells. Fantastic. The largest of the five kingdoms, and the grandest. Crow rarely ventured that far north, but had seen the shining white marble and glass palace a few times from a distance. Large as a city set on a high cliff overlooking the sea, topped with gold turrets and proudly flapping blue pennants 
that stretched to the clouds. Uh, hang on, Azra. If you're a prince, then where's your crown? He taunted. The damned things were usually welded to their heads, because fortune forbid anyone mistake them for anything but royalty. Lost it, have you? My... Oh, that's none of your concern, villain, and it's your royal highness to you. Whatever you say, your holiness. An exasperated sigh. <sighs> Crow grinned, needling at Imperion nobility, always cheered him right up. So, what the hell is your holiness even doing all the way out here, anyway? The fells are miles and miles off. At the northernmost point of the land, actually. The furthest away of all five kingdoms. I, the prince declared loftily, am doing my duty. Our king would never be so remiss as to leave any part of the wall unguarded. Ha! That's a load of bullocks. This place is always unguarded. Been coming here for years. Awkward silence. After a few more moments with no answer, he prodded again. Don't you have some, I don't know, adventuring to do? Or jousting to win? Or something else more pressing for a prince? Shouldn't you be off harassing the Commonwealth right now? I, no, me, harassing? You're the, the scalawag who's running around causing who knows what manner of trouble. Scalawag? That's a new one. Seems to me that's a matter of opinion, isn't it? Could just as easily say you're the one causing trouble for me, he pointed out. We are not having this conversation. You just tried to kill me, you dastardly creature. Crow scoffed. <laughs> ah, hardly. I just threw a little fire at you. No need to take it so personally. Incoherent sputtering sounds followed. Crow snickered to himself. Princes were always easy to bait, and this one was far more entertaining than most. <laughs> Be reasonable, he said. Asking for reason from a prince was like asking for water from a stone, but he knew it would irritate him. I was just being proactive. As you may recall, you threatened to kill me first he pointed out. A pause. I... I suppose that's true. But when evil threatens, virtue cannot stand idly by, nor hesitate in its duty. Crow frowned. That last phrase sounded vaguely familiar, almost like, hang on, are you quoting a play? Uh, silence. Because that sounded an awful lot like it was from the Ten Honest Turncoats. A shite play, if memory serves me right. If you're going to insult me, you could at least pick something from a good play. Well... More silence. More foot shuffling. Huh. This prince was reacting all wrong. Usually it only took a few good jabs at that noble ego to provoke them into blindly charging, like a shiny, rabid bull. But this one was staying put. 
Could he have really meant it about preferring not to fight? How completely unprecedented! Time to switch tactics. Look, Crow said. If we're going to be at an impasse, why don't we sit down and figure something out, huh? He dug into his leather satchel. May I tempt you to an apple? He called, holding one up and wiggling it for him to see. It shone dark red and glossy in the sun. I, I beg your pardon. An apple, you know, round, crunchy. I know what an apple is, and no, thank you. Suit yourself. He took a huge bite of the apple and crouched there, chewing as loudly and obnoxiously as he could. It was good, sweet, and crisp. <clears throat> I just thought you might be hungry. That armor looks pretty hot and uncomfortable. Mm. There was a long pause. Miserably so, came the quiet admission. Crow nearly choked on his apple in surprise. He peeked around the side of his boulder, curious. The prince was standing there, sweaty, shoulders slumped, holding the sword point down in the dirt, and for an unguarded moment he did indeed look miserable. Crow stuffed down an unwelcome stab of sympathy. You sure you don't want one? A scoff, and the precise voice regained its odor. Oh, absolutely not! Poisoned, no doubt. <laughs> Why would I be stupid enough to carry around a poisoned apple? I'd be more likely to accidentally eat it myself. He took another bite and leaned his back against the boulder. Mm. His thighs were beginning to shake from crouching here like this, and he could feel his pale skin starting to crisp in the sun. Sweat had run all down his back, leaving him unpleasantly damp. Ugh. Look, I'll make a bargain with you. I'm going to come around to the other side of this stupid rock now before I melt. If you promise not to try and stab me with that sword, or throw any more knives, I promise not to try and incinerate you. Do we have a deal? An even longer silence, and then... Very well, but don't try anything. Crow stood and walked slowly around the boulder, and slumped down in the shade with a groan of relief. Ugh. <sighs> The prince just stood there, with his sword clutched in both hands, eyeing him warily. He looked distinctly worse for wear, too. Blonde hair disheveled, boots soot blackened, face red as a tomato and sheened with sweat. He was swaying slightly. Crow waved a weary hand at him, beyond caring about appearances. For fuck's sake, have a seat. You look like you're about to fall over anyway. The prince hesitated a second longer, then shuffled sideways and gingerly lowered himself, arse first, to perch on a nearby rock, back ramrod straight, with sword at ready. There was a long, awkward silence while they both just sat there, facing each other. 
poised like fencers, waiting for the first lunge. After a beat, when neither one of them made any sudden moves or attempted treachery, a lot of the tension seemed to bleed out of the air. There was a perceptible softening of the prince's posture, and Crow felt himself relax as well. Well, isn't this civil? he said into the silence. He took another bite of his apple and chewed for a minute, knee jiggling, trying to think of something useful to say. Polite chatter was not his strength. Here, have an apple. I promise it isn't poisoned. I don't just run around poisoning people. If I need to kill someone, I'll use fire. Instant. Much cleaner. He tossed an apple to him underhand, and the prince caught it automatically. He laid his sword across his knees and stared at the fruit, looking bewildered and slightly suspicious. Um, why, I see it, Crow mumbled through his mouthful. We both have a problem. I can't back down, and you can't back down either, right? Yes, replied the prince reluctantly. I suppose that is broadly the case. So, instead of working away at each other in this heat, why don't we work something out that doesn't involve one of us dying? The prince looked at him with an odd kind of uncertainty. Yes, I would prefer that. Crow frowned. You would? Well, yes, of course I would. What do you take me for? An Imperion noble, Crow said dryly. What do you take me for? A ruffian, of course, the prince declared, with renewed confidence. Clearly this was steady ground. Uh, a sorcerer miscreant, a lawless scoundrel who is up to some skullduggery, looking to cause trouble and mayhem up in the kingdoms. Wow, all that, huh? Crow thought about it with pursed lips for a moment, trying not to be amused. Eh, well, I guess that sort of fair, this time, he admitted, and took another bite of apple. Hmm. But for what little it's worth, I usually only go up there to have a drink. I don't just run around killing people, unless they try to kill me first, thanks. Oh, Prince Azra blinked and looked taken aback, like a man encountering an entirely new idea. His brow creased as he peered at him in confusion. You don't? Would you rather I did? Do you run around hacking people with that sword on a lark? Crow demanded in exasperation. Why do I even bother? He was just so tired of people looking at him like a monster, or not enough of one. No, and no, of course I don't. <laughs> There's no of course about it with you Imperion lot. The prince drew himself up, affronted. Well, pardon me, but it's hardly a given for sorcerers either, from what I hear, he retorted stiffly. They glared at each other for a moment, then both awkwardly dropped their gazes. Fair enough, Crow muttered, 
he sighed and wearily rubbed sweat from the back of his neck. This was just the weirdest damned day. <sighs> anyway, I don't either. His irritation had evaporated, and now he just felt tired, old and tired. Well, that's good to hear. The wary formality had drained out of Prince Azra, too, and he looked slightly sheepish. He looked down at the sword across his lap and carefully set it on the ground at his feet. After a moment's thought, he took a tentative bite of his apple. His ring-adorned fingers were clean, with well-trimmed and tended nails. Scholars' hands, not a warrior's. Interesting. For a long while, the only sound was munching, as they both just sat there, eating their apples. Crow briefly removed his glasses and pinched between his aching eyes. It was time to try something drastic. Honesty. Ugh. Look, it's like this. I'm in the bad books with my council, and they've ordered that I do a bit of skullduggery, as it were. And this time I've got to actually do something, or it's my neck on the line, understand? I thought I'd just burn down something empty, make a big show of it, and go home. No one gets killed, he said in exasperation. The prince let out a frustrated sigh. <sighs> well, don't think I'm not sympathetic, but I'm in just as tight a corner. He produced a lace-edged silk handkerchief from who knows where and mopped at his sweaty brow. My... Well, if you must know, the crown has charged me to guard this gate with my life. If anything like that happens on my watch, then there'll be a world of trouble. I'll never hear the end of it. Crow groaned and slumped against his rock. Oh, come off it. You're royalty. You can do no wrong. The prince huffed, still blotting at his neck with that stupid handkerchief. Oh, yes, royalty, youngest of four, and therefore disposable. I've got three older brothers, including the king, all much more accomplished than I. They're the ones who can do no wrong. He frowned and brushed a bit of dust off his sleeve with an irate flick of jeweled fingers. They also have the combined intelligence of a brick, but that's hardly an impediment to leadership, is it? Um, he stopped, looking alarmed, and shot a guilty look at him. Oh dear, I mean... Crow let out a bark of laughter. <laughs> he couldn't help it. It caught him completely off guard. He'd never heard a noble make a joke before, especially one that so perfectly echoed his own thoughts about the council. The prince flushed. Oh, dear, I really shouldn't say things like that. Ha! <laughs> I promise, I won't tell them, Crow assured him, chuckling. The prince smiled back, just an uncertain curve of his mouth that nevertheless lit up his entire face. He had deep creases at the corners of his eyes that Crow hadn't noticed before, a network of laugh lines that made the smile wreathe his eyes. They practically sparkled. Crow felt his own spirits 
lived in spite of himself. That was quite the smile. Focus. Uh, anyway, there's got to be a way that we both get what we need, he said. Silence fell again as they both brooded over the problem. Crow scratched at his chin. What if you gave me something of yours, something I could show to my council and use to say that I killed a prince? Then I wouldn't need to go up there at all. Prince Azra opened his mouth, looking scandalized, but then his expression changed, slowly, to thoughtful. He pursed his lips. Uh, surely they'd check. He made it a question. <clears throat> Crow waved a dismissive hand. My lot has better things to do. They're happy enough to believe me, as long as I make it convincing. But it would have to be something pretty convincing. Azra nodded slowly. You know, I may have just the thing. He brightened, and his voice became excited. Yes, I'm sure of it. In return, would I have your solemn word that you won't cause any mayhem above the wall? Well, he amended, at least while I'm on guard duty. Crow snorted and laid a hand dramatically over his heart. If you'll trust it, yes, you have my solemn word. Azra peered keenly at him for a moment, worrying at his lower lip with his teeth. He finally gave a firm nod. In that case, he stood and returned the sword to its scabbard. It took him a couple tries. I suppose we have an agreement. Yeah. Crow stood, too. He accidentally stood on the edge of his cloak and nearly fell over, but righted himself at the last minute. Uh, I suppose we do. Well, then, uh, I'm sorry. I realized I don't even know your name. Oh, uh, it's Crow. Crow? As in the bird? Yeah. Oh. Prince Azra of the High Fells smiled, met his eyes squarely, and stuck out a hand. Well, it's nice to meet you. Crow twitched and barely suppressed his immediate instinct to set the hand on fire. People did not shake his hand, ever. Generally, an abrupt move towards him like that was an attempt to kill him. But the prince's rounded face was wide open and utterly guileless, in a way that seemed impossible to feign. There was something oddly arresting about those little creases at the corners of his blue eyes, now that he thought about it. They made it seem like he was still smiling, even when his face was relaxed. A lock of blonde hair had fallen over his forehead. Crow hesitated then slowly reached out and took the proffered hand. Prince Azra's hand was solid, steady, and soft, despite the odd sword callous. As cool fingers wrapped around his own, Crow felt a tiny curl of warmth at the back of his mind. Azra's grip was firm, but not crushing, not trying to prove anything. He shook once and released him without incident. No one was set on fire. No one tried to stab the other. How about that? 
So, Crow cleared his throat, flexing his fingers at his side. <clears throat> um, what did you have in mind, then? A signet ring or something? <laughs> Bitter. Prince Azra went straight to his titan of a horse, actually turned his back on him without a second of hesitation, and began unbuckling the many fastenings on the leather saddlebags, which were embossed with the same crest that was on his armor. He barely came up to the animal's shoulder. The horse shuffled its enormous hooves, eyeing Crow nervously, clearly not liking the look of him. No surprise there. Horses never liked him either. There, there, Seraphina. The prince murmured, tutting fondly. Crow cocked his head, distracted. Sarafina? he repeated, raising an eyebrow. Yes. A quick glance confirmed it. Your horse is a mare. Yes. Is that a problem? he asked, a trifle stiffly. Touchy subject, hmm? Uh, no, just... The first time I've seen one of you lot with anything but a prancy stallion. Crow leaned casually against a nearby rock and crossed his arms, frowning as he looked him over. What a strange cluster of puzzles this man was. Was he playing some sort of deeper game? Or was he actually as eccentric as he appeared to be? He certainly didn't act like a noble. Stallions! Oh. Prince Azra sniffed dismissively, still rummaging through one of the full bags. Whatever was in there looked heavy. I would prefer not to be thrown off and break my neck, thank you kindly. High-strung, unpredictable things. But Seraphina here... He patted the horse's tree trunk of a neck with obvious pride. Steady as a rock. Huh. I notice you don't wear any spurs, either. All nobles wore the wickedly sharp iron spikes that hurt to even look at. He'd seen the scarred sides of their stallions, the barely healed or constantly bleeding scabs. This horse didn't have a scratch. Oh, those brutish things! You don't need them if the animal is properly trained. The prince smoothed the hand affectionately along the mare's side, then exclaimed, Aha! as he finally found what he was looking for. From the saddlebag, he withdrew a gold crown, heavily studded with sapphires. Actually, no, half of a crown. It had been chopped in two, probably with that enchanted sword of his. He turned and held it out to him, without ceremony. How about this? Surely a royal crown isn't simple to come by. Yes. Crow drew out the word as he took it, frowning. That would work. I could probably melt it a bit, or something, to make it look like a fight. What happened to it? Oh, well... A shifty sideways glance, and Prince Azra began making meaningless adjustments to the horse's tack. Nothing. It didn't cut itself in half, Crow pointed out. Prince Azra mumbled something, unintelligible. Uh, what's that? Someone needed the gold more than I did. 
he mumbled again. Needed the gold? Oh, all right. I gave it to a peasant. If you must know, the prince burst out. Crow stared at him. You what? he asked at last. Prince Azra's cheeks flushed pink, and he fidgeted some more. Well, I had to, he said defensively. The man's cart horse broke its leg on the road. It was his entire living. He clearly couldn't afford another one, and I couldn't very well let his family starve, the poor things. Crow held up a hand, cutting off the flood of words. Uh, right. Uh, let me make sure I understand this correctly. You're saying you chopped up your royal crown and gave it away to a random peasant? Just because he needed money? Just like that? He asked in disbelief. Was the man mad? Or sunstruck from standing around in that stupid armor? Well, I didn't have any pocket money on me, so I don't know what else I could have done. Crow blinked, growing more confused by the minute. Won't the crown be missed? Probably, Prince Azra said rubbing his hands distractedly together. Probably. He shook his head as though dispersing an unwelcome thought. But it's too late for that. Now better to trade it to you and dispose of it altogether. I never liked that crown anyhow. Avoiding his eyes, he turned and began rebuckling up the saddlebags. He's kind. The thought popped into Crow's head, startling. Suddenly, all the other little peculiarities clicked together into a hole that made a kind of bizarre sense, and he stared at him, not mad, but kind, a prince kind enough to give his crown away to someone who needed money, kind and oddly gentle and sensible enough to want to avoid a fight. Who cared if peasants starved and thought it was nice to meet him? It was as astonishing as if gravity had reversed its pull. Crow just kept staring at him, bewildered. It was like encountering a strange, exotic type of animal in the wild that he had never known existed. A strangely friendly, fluffy-haired animal. Crow... Azra had paused with one hand on his horse, and a shadow flitted over his face. Um, is this gate truly always unguarded? You're certain? Yeah, he wondered why it mattered. Uh, but there's no need to worry your royal self about it, and no one else in Apollyon even knows this gate exists. Rather than looking reassured, Prince Azra nodded heavily as if it was what he had expected to hear. I see. Thank you. He sighed, then glanced up at the swiftly darkening sky. Oh, dear, you may want to seek shelter soon. Those clouds look like rain. As if his words had been a spell, there was a sudden crackle of thunder and electricity in the air. The distant clouds Crow had seen that morning were finally making good on their promises. Late spring storms often swept through the eastern side of Apollyon without warning, and from the gathering turbulence 
It looked like it was going to be a big one. Crow stood there for a moment longer before realizing he was just holding the crown with both hands and staring like an idiot. He straightened and nodded. Right. Uh, uh, best be getting on, then. Uh, got a council to lie to. Rain to outrun and all that. A wind had whipped up, flapping his cloak about wildly without any help from him. I suppose so. Prince Azra put out his hand again. Well, I must say, it's been surprisingly... Uh... Civil? Crow offered. Azra smiled in full now, as he laughed, a warm, honest laugh that was like the sun breaking through the churning clouds. <laughs> Something inside Crow's stomach lurched, like missing a step on the stairs, and he found himself returning the smile before he even realized what he was doing. I was going to say nice, actually, Azra said. Yeah, <laughs> Crow chuckled incredulously. Nice, right. I'm sorry I threatened to kill you. I thought you were going to kill me. Crow blinked again, slowly, then gathered his wits. Oh, uh, it's fine. Understandable. He'd taken a whack upside the head once, from an overly ambitious Imperion hero, armed with nothing but a club, who had leaped out of the stable at him while he was doing a bit of outdoor gardening. Crow had staggered around in circles for a good five minutes after incinerating him, stunned and disoriented. Looking at Azra now, it felt rather like that. Uh, boy then. Crow shook his hand, profoundly rattled. He turned and strode purposefully back in the direction of the rookery before it could begin raining syrup or the sky could turn green or any other bizarre twist of nature could occur. Just before he vanished back into the trees, he paused and looked back at the armored figure. The enormous mare butted affectionately at the prince's shoulder, knocking him back a step, and a foolish smile spread across his face. He reached up to rub the tuft of white hair, falling down over the horse's forehead, and offered it the remainder of his apple. He leaned in, stroking its velvety nose as it crunched away, and seemed to be speaking quietly. Strange man. Damned strange. Your feet should probably be moving now. Crow stood there watching for another stretch of time as the wind yanked at his clothing, then shook himself and continued off into the darkening wood. A flicker of lightning roiled the heavens above. Rain began to fall around him, soaking his hair through and pattering the forest floor. He barely felt it. To his own surprise, he found that he was still smiling. End of chapter 3 Thank you for reading. Please drop by the archive and let the author know what you thought of their work.